Hey everybody, it's Charles from HumbleMechanic.com. Today I'm going to be taking your questions on buying an old Jetta turbocharger failures. This is episode 216 of the Humble Mechanic Podcast. In order to get a question on a show like this, email me, charles at HumbleMechanic.com. Put question for Charles in the subject. Please ask that question right at the very top of your email. Hit the enter button a couple of times, then give me all the details of your question. That helps out so much when answering your questions when I actually know what your question is. Also remember, if you don't see your question on a show like this, be sure to check the quick videos playlist on YouTube where I do one question per video. In addition to that, there's an audio only version of this show. You can listen on iTunes, Stitcher, Google, all of the podcasting platforms. Check that out if you would prefer to listen rather than watch. All right, let's talk about the sponsor of the day, which is CRP Automotive. CRP deals in a ton of OE maintenance and repair parts, timing belt kits, suspension components, and even fluids. In fact, they make the factory DSG fluid for Volkswagen and Audi. So check them out at crpautomotive.com. Real quick, before we get into your questions, if you guys like the show and the work that I do for you, consider joining the crew membership program. This is a great way to help support the show but more importantly, get awesome discounts for yourself from places like Eastwood, Sonic Tools, MT Knives, Eurowise, Black Forest Industries, MyCanic, and more. In addition to that, you get the downloads for the VW Audi training manuals that I make for the classes that we teach. This is a great way to get some information that you're probably not going to be able to find anywhere else, as well as specific tips and tricks from me geared for technicians, but it's great information for everybody. As always, there's links down in the description to everything we talk about today, including timestamps. So if you want to skip to a different question, hit that timestamp and you can jump right to it. Okay, that's taken care of. Let's get to the questions. First one up, didn't give me a name, but that's cool. It says, hey Charles, I'm thinking about getting an 01 Jetta non-turbo 5-speed with 187,000 miles on it. It says 187 miles, but I'm guessing 187,000. It has roll-up windows and has already passed emissions inspections, completely rebuilt exhaust, but I'm a little scared because of reviews and things that I've heard about VW sensors, oil consumption, etc. I was hoping I would negate a lot of these by getting a manual. The car seems to be in good condition and everything works. Should I consider it or just go with a Honda? Um, this is an interesting question because we're talking about a car that's 17 years old, basically right now. You know, we're knocking on the door of 2018 as I record this episode, and Model 18 have been out for many, many, many months, and we got an 01, which came out maybe in 2000, so 18, almost 19 years old. That's an old car, guys. Uh, you know, it doesn't feel like 01 was that long ago, but that's knocking on the door of 20 years old. So more what I get concerned about when we're talking about cars this old is not the reputation that it has or that sensors fail because things are going to break. 20 years old, 19 years old, whatever, 18 years old, things are going to break. Things are probably already broken that you're not going to know about right when you buy the car. What I care more about now is how was the car maintained? Was this car well taken care of? Was this the best case scenario of family that owned the car, took great care of it, did all the maintenance, did a timing belt on it. It's probably now on its third timing belt, I would guess, maybe fourth, depending on, on its life, right? Um, is what is its condition right now? You can plan for things to fail, and you should. You should, if you're buying a car that old, put aside an extra thousand bucks or so when you buy this car for unexpected repairs because they're going to happen. When we look at this like I said, I'm more interested in what is its condition now rather than its known 
problems, right? Wheel bearings, axle boots, timing belts, water pumps, fans failing, thermostats leaking, thermostats failing, mass airflow sensors failing, on and on and on. And that goes for whether you're buying this Jetta or you're gonna get that Honda, which I think either way, you know, buy the car that you like more, buy the one that's in better condition, get both of them properly inspected before you buy either one of them. Even at, you know, I don't know, this car's probably worth 2,000 bucks maybe if it's in great condition. Even at two grand, $100 pre-purchase inspection is worth every penny. Here's the good thing about that car you're looking at is that's about the best dang platform that you're gonna get. It's been around forever. All the repairs are incredibly well documented. There is not a better powertrain that Volkswagen has had than the two liter non-turbo manual transmission, period. You can take that all the way back to the mid to early 90s for the ABA platform, carried all the way through to really till we hit Mark V. This newest generation two liter is a little more finicky than these were, but these are, in my opinion, the best platform that VW's had as far as powertrain goes. And Mark IV is known, you know, the, the common failures are out there. I've done a video on it. I'll link it up in the cards and down in the description so you know what to expect going in. That's the beauty of owning an older car like this today is it's all been documented. Unfortunately for this generation is most of that stuff was documented on websites like VW Vortex or other forums, which now all the pictures are dead in the forums, uh, which is really, really frustrating. But there's still a lot of really great YouTube videos and other content out there. Burn all the Mark IVs group on Facebook, a little Mark IV-ish, a little Vortex-y sometimes, but there's still really good information. There is hundreds of thousands of probably these cars out there in salvage yards or people with parts cars or parts floating around. So you can get the parts reasonably without having to buy them at the dealership. So it depends on what you want. If you want that generation Honda, a Civic, an Accord, they're great cars. If you want a Jetta, get your Jetta either way, whichever way you go. Put some money aside so that you have it to make repairs. Even if you're gonna DIY it, you still gotta buy the parts. So put that money aside and have it for those unexpected repairs that you are now going to be expecting. All right, next one up is from Herb. I just watched a few of your videos addressing the TSI turbo failure. I've got a fair bit of play in the wastegate actuator arm. Is there a way to fix this without having to buy another turbo? The dealer quoted me $2,500 installed. Ugh, I don't remember those being that expensive unless there's other things they're doing with that. So I'm just trying to see if I could save some money. I watched a video of someone adjusting the arm but had to use VAGCOM to finalize the adjustment. Would this maybe work? Thanks in advance, Herb. Um, good question, Herb. So I this is a common failure. This uh, turbocharger under boost, I really wanna say it's like PO299 is the code you get. And I've done videos on how it fails, how to inspect your turbocharger to see if this is what's going on. Very simply put, the housing of the turbo kind of gets wobbled out and the actuator arm will move so the wastegate doesn't seal properly. This is really common. Tiguan, for some reason, I think it's gearing of the transmission and, and load changes because the Tiguan seems to behave differently. And the reason I put this question in here is mostly because, Herb, I wanted to answer your question and I've done videos on it, so I'll, I'll link that up in the cards. You guys can check that out if you wanna watch it. Quick video uh, shows you exactly how to check it. But I wanna reach out to you guys in the community and see if there is another solution. Oftentimes, we don't know, we being dealership technicians, which I kinda of still consider myself one in some weird roundabout way, don't know about these really maybe obscure solutions to problems until it's way mainstream. So if you guys have ran into something out there that can fix these turbochargers, please put it in the comments, either on the blog, on the Facebook post, here on YouTube, 
uh, if you're listening, definitely on the blog, so that I can pass this information along to her. I really don't think that there is a solution for this because it's the body of the turbocharger on the exhaust side that becomes the problem. So my assumption is that that would have to be drilled out and replaced. It's probably not worth the effort. I really think though, Herb, you can get that done way cheaper than $2,500. Again, unless they're doing other things. I wanna say these turbochargers are only like seven or 800 bucks and four hours of labor. I'm thinking like $1,600 is about how much that should cost. If you guys have had this replaced, drop that dollar figure and let me know. Maybe I'm way off base on it. But $2,500 seems to be quite high for just putting a turbocharger on it for this wastegate failure. So while I don't think there is another solution out there minus replacing the turbocharger, um, you know, you can upgrade. This is a great opportunity to upgrade if you wanted to do an upgraded turbocharger for your vehicle. I don't think you mentioned what kind of car it is, but if you have any kind of performance aspirations, now's the time. It makes that justification of writing that check or swiping your credit card a little bit easier, at least in my opinion. Of course, you tack on a tune at that point and probably a downpipe. But Herb, unfortunately, like I said, probably nothing else you can do. Guys, if you know of a solution, drop it in the comments and let's try and help Herb out. All right, next one up is from Roman. I have a 2012 Jetta, and a few days ago I got an airbag light for a seat occupancy sensor. I went through VagCon to reset it, but it comes back every time the car started. I also had the same issue on my previous 12 Golf, and the dealer didn't know how to solve the issue either. Yikes. I know someone that has this problem on their 15 Jetta. Do you know if there's some kind of electrical short or possibly a failing occupancy sensor? Do you have any suggestions or tips on how to fix the issue? Thanks, Roman. Okay, Roman, a couple of things that can be going on. I have seen these modules fail on these cars, and depending on what generation pods this has, pods is a passenger occupancy detection system um, that senses whether someone is sitting in the passenger seat. This changes the airbag deployment, whether someone's buckled, how much they weigh. It is, in some ways, a very sophisticated system, and in some ways, a very dumb system, depending on the generation. Oddly enough, the newer that it gets, the simpler it behaves. Um, so there's really two different kinds. There's some that have an actual pad inside the seat. It's like a gel pad almost, almost like those things you freeze in order to put in your um, cooler to keep your lunch cool, I guess. Very similar to that. Not really, but that's kind of what it reminds me of. So it has that calibrated mat and a tube and a module. When those fail or have issues um, with any piece of that, it all gets replaced as one unit. Some of the other ones don't have to. You can replace just the little gray box underneath the seat. If you look up underneath the seat, you'll see it. It's pretty obvious what it is. So those do fail. It, it can be that. I have also seen wiring get chafed underneath those seats. Now, this is not the side airbag failure that is so common on Mark V B6 generation cars. This is the actual pods seat module, the thing in the seat bottom. But I have still seen the wiring harness come loose out of its bracket and get chafed inside the seat base. You can take the seat out, you can do a, a really thorough inspection. Usually you'll see some little witness marks of where it's rubbed, and it doesn't take much in order for that to be a problem. I have had multiples of those where I've had to do small wiring repairs. The other thing we need to make sure is we understand how the system works. If you get in your car and you have your briefcase and you set it on your passenger seat, your airbag light may come on. On this new generation like the 2015, even your cell phone sitting on the seat can disrupt the signals. So we need to make sure that we're not putting things in the seat 
without it being a passenger because that can tweak out the system. So Roman, you didn't let me know what exactly the fault was uh, for, for your pod's failure. So it's really hard to tell you, check this exact spot, but do a thorough visual inspection on the wiring underneath the seat. Odds are it's probably the module. I have seen a handful of those fail on 2012. You know, there really wasn't any kind of warranty extension or anything, I don't think on pods modules. But when it comes to safety systems like this, I always recommended to people to give VW a call and see if they could get some kind of assistance. There are other manufacturers that warranty things like seatbelts for the lifetime of the vehicle period. So to me, it's always worth a phone call to tell them, hey, look, I have this safety system on my vehicle that is malfunctioning. Is there any way you can give me some assistance on it? Don't be a jerk. Be nice to the person that you're talking to. They didn't build the car. It's not their fault that it's failing. You want them on your side. You want them to help you. Do not scream at them and act like a fool because they're probably not going to want to. I always recommend to everyone, if you're going to ask someone for help, screaming at them, swearing at them, and calling them names is a bad idea. You want me to want to be on your side, not to do it because I feel like I have to. Trust me, this is going to get you much further in life than you could possibly imagine. So Roman, I can't give you a pinpoint answer. There's no way for me to know for sure without doing some testing and looking at it. You can, since you have VACOM, go into measured value blocks and see what it's recognizing. Does it see no one in the seat? Does it see a child? Does it see a light adult or a heavy adult? Different generations have different levels that they'll actually monitor. So what you do is you get your VACOM, plug it in, turn the key on, and you walk your butt around to the passenger side and you sit in it and you see what it reads. Pretty simple. Uh, and then stand up and then maybe like just ease your butt down onto the seat and see what it reads to see if you can get all those different levels changing. Uh, maybe move the seat to different positions. That sometimes helps too. But first thing you wanna do is get underneath that seat and do a really thorough visual inspection. Make sure that a bottle of water didn't roll underneath there and pull the connector loose just a little bit. All right, last one of the day comes from Mike. It's about a 2004 Beetle convertible. Found a deal on one of these cars that has a slipping transmission issue. Saw online that is most likely the valve body causing the problem. Wanted to know your thoughts on me getting the car. Looked online, reviews are all over the place from really good to steer clear, too many issues. Lady wanted 2,200 bucks, but as it's overdue for water pump timing belt and having a slipping transmission, she agreed to come down on the price to $800. But I'm still hesitant on getting a car after reading the reviews. Any guidance would be helpful, thanks. The car will be for my stepdaughter's first car. Thanks, Mike. Mike, uh, so the 04 Beetle convertibles are a car that I'm very familiar with. Uh, and yes, transmission slipping is very common almost all the time. Almost all the time it's the valve body. Now I've heard of guys disassembling the valve body, cleaning everything out, putting it back together, and it fixing it, and being great. And I've heard of this happening, guys doing this too, and it not fixing anything. Um, the valve bodies I wanna say at one point were about 1800 bucks. This is a part that I haven't looked up in a really long time, so I don't know the current pricing of this. The good thing is, is there's a lot of other of those transmissions out there. You could get one from a salvage yard, but eh, you run the risk of the same thing. If you can drive this car and it has a harsh shift from like one to two or two to three, or even three to two, two to one, most likely it's the valve body. If you're cruising along and you give it a little throttle and it's like revving up and then all of a sudden you're picking your teeth out of the steering wheel because of the way it shifts and shifts so hard, you might have more going on than that. If you pull faults on this car and you have any kind of gear ratio fault or gear monitoring fault, it may be something more severe 
than just the valve body. So there's no way to know exactly what's gonna fix this until it's properly diagnosed. Um, worst case scenario, $2,500 or so, maybe more for a transmission. If that was the case and it needed a transmission, I'd be out, right? Even at $800 for a new automatic or a remand automatic, that's a bit much for me. You can inquire about getting these transmissions rebuilt. I've seen them done successfully. More times though, I've seen them done very, very poorly, or at least I don't know if the rebuild was bad, but the final result was bad, which makes the rebuild bad too. Odds are though, if you put a new valve body in it, good, clean, factory fluid, because they can get upset without the right fluid, you'll probably be okay. It does really depend on how bad it is though, because I have seen some that are good, some that are bad, put transmissions in this for this problem before, put valve bodies in, way more valve bodies than transmissions, probably like 20 valve bodies to one transmission. So the, the odds of it just being the valve body are pretty high. Now let's address all the rest of it bolted to the transmission. Time belt tensioner water pump's not a big deal. I'm gonna guess this is a two liter non-turbo. So straightforward of a timing belt as any Volkswagen can get. Not that big of a deal. I think we charged $800 at the dealership to do that time belt tensioner water pump. You also, kind of like that very first question, some of the other issues apply to this car as well. Thermostat failures, oil leaks, ECTs, mass airflows, all that kind of stuff uh, is, is pretty common on that two liter. It is a different two liter. The intake manifold's a little bit different. It's super weird. Um, very few issues with that, but it, it can have problems. The other things that I get very worried about when someone says, oh, four beetle convertible are door latches because they fail. And when they fail, they make the windows not drop or raise properly. Uh, window motors, those were common. Window regulators, those were really common on the convertibles. Uh, convertible top position switches and the convertible top itself. You know, Mike, I emailed you a couple of things just to double check. But what happens with these convertible tops is the back glass starts to fall out of the fabric of the top. And the right way to fix that is with a new top. And that's another $1,300 or something like that. So I don't want to say don't buy this car because it could turn out to be a great car for, I don't know, $800 plus call it another $1,500, $2,500, right? I know that math didn't add up, but call it $2,500 to get it back on the road, three grand. Not a bad deal for that kind of car, but you always have to be concerned about all those other things. Window regulators, convertible tops, door latches, transmission issues again, oil leaks, on and on and on. Plus the stuff that all cars you know, have brakes, belts, tires, hoses, that kind of thing. So be really careful before you spend the $800. It's not that if you buy it for $800, that's a bad thing. I think at 800 bucks, you're probably okay no matter what. Like you're not gonna get killed in it, but um, it, it financially, I mean, you're not gonna get crushed in it. But I just worry that it's a slippery slope of $800 to buy it, $1,000 for the transmission, $800 for the timing belt, $600 for both door latches, $1,300 for a convertible top, you know, I don't know, $600 for both rear window regulators, whatever the pricing is on that. I'm just throwing numbers out there. Pretty soon you're six grand into a car that's worth $2,500 when you could have taken that six grand, bought her a newer car with less potential for problems, more reliable, less expensive to maintain, uh, and you don't have to worry about some of those other things that, that these cars can have. I realize Beetle convertibles are a very appealing car to a lot of people. I just get a little bit nervous on those 03, 04, 05, pretty much that early Mark IV, the first run of Beetle convertibles. 
till they went to the facelift and the new body style or the newer body style. Um, I get a little nervous of those. I've seen a lot of those have a lot of problems. Kind of like with that first question too, you have to worry about what was going on with it throughout its life. This lady could have taken great care of this car its whole life and it could be perfect, minus the couple things that it has going on with it, or it could be thrashed. Really no way to know. Just be really careful, Mike. Remember, you're putting your stepdaughter, her life in this car. Um, just, just keep that in mind before you write that $800 check. I'd hate to see you guys get crushed in a car buying it for 800 bucks, trying to bring it back to life when you can take that money, buy something you know is in better condition and uh, have a nice, safe, reliable car for your stepdaughter. All right, guys, I'm going to wrap it up there. I feel like there was a lot of negative responses for me today, but you know what? That's just sometimes how it goes. Remember, if you got a question for a show like this, email me, charles at humblemechanic.com, just like I said at the front. If you guys like the video, give it a thumbs up, mash that share button. Don't forget to subscribe and ding the notification bell. You can also follow me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and of course on Snapchat. If you're listening, thank you guys so much for listening. If you're watching, thank you guys for watching, and I will see you next time.